0: Welcome to BizPod.Ninja, your central hub for business wisdom from rock star entrepreneurs, CEOs, VCs, corporate development gurus, and more. Join us weekly for Truths from the Trenches with your host and business ninja, Andreas Penna. Thank you very much for joining. It is Thursday uh, no. to tenth. Pretend-
1: yeah. No. Thank you for having me. Yes. I, I. Every single time I do one of these calls, it's like, oh, another bespoke streaming platform that I need to work out how to navigation.
0: Yeah. Well, I think those days, these days, will are short lived in mm. the future. Obviously, with the vaccine coming about, I'm yeah. hearing good things. So, what a crazy year. How have you? How have you been holding up? Firstly, before we get into the, get into the show. Where are you based? And and how have you been?
1: Yeah. So based in San Francisco. I have a lovely house, which, you know, it, I think like everybody else's experience of COVID, your house was a little bit like a prison at this point of the year, but I have nothing to complain about. Twitch has been just growing exponentially this year. So we had a massive surge of new streamers, new audience with social distancing and people being at home. So it's been a very busy year on the the Twitch front, but, you know, healthy, happy, glad to be here.
0: Have you, have you taken any trips or seen any airports in the past six, seven, nine, eight months?
1: So we did a driving trip up to Missoula. So I know you interviewed Fritz Landman, who's the class oh. CEO. So my husband, Marcus and I drove from San Francisco to Missoula in summer and spent four weeks in a bubble with Fritz and his wife. And then another friend of ours who lives up there, who also works a class pass. So it was really good fun. It was lovely to get away.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I I wish I would have known. Maybe I would have tagged along or <laughs> for for one of the weekends. Sorry. So that's that's a great trip. How how is Montana? I mean, being being in Missoula, I guess Fritz and, and having you know space and a lot of folks who've been in large cities, mm. they've they've gone you know inland and it seems to be like the really smart decision for those who have done it and fun.
1: Oh, absolutely. From a lifestyle perspective, yeah. it's just a no-brainer. I mean, you your quality of life is so much better than it is in a big city. And I think, you know, all credit to the ClassPass team that they built their HQ there. M- Missoula reminded me a lot of New Zealand. You know, I'm from New Zealand originally. Oh, yeah. it's, the, it's the wide open spaces and the mountains and the rivers and just generally fairly laid back lifestyle. So yeah, it was a really, it was a breath of fresh air in a year that otherwise has been quite stressful.
0: This is stressful. Well, I'm going to have to make a trip to to, to Montana soon myself. Great. So we're we'll gonna we're gonna get in the show, but before we do, I'd love to present your background. Sarah Clemens is COO of Twitch and former COO of Pandora. She has 20 years of leadership experience in the broadcast, technology, and entertainment industries. Prior to Twitch, Sarah was COO at Pandora where she worked to transform the internet radio pioneer into a personalized music service connecting artists directly with fans at scale. I'm a big Pandora user still mm-hmm. today. Exactly. And and as well as I'm also a gamer, so I love Twitch. Prior to Pandora, Sarah was an executive team at LinkedIn responsible for Corp Dev and New Ventures, during which she led the company's successful entry into the China market. Sarah spent five years in a range of leadership positions at Microsoft including leading international expansion, business operations, and new ventures for Xbox division. During this time, she was a founding member of the team that created HoloLens, Microsoft's leading uh, market-leading AR headset. Mm. I remember those days, and that's <laughs> where we first met at Microsoft. It is. How time has passed. Uh, <laughs> Sarah has extensive experience building consumer Internet businesses across a broad range of international markets, including out, LATAM, and Greater asia pacific she holds an m.a with honors from university of canterbury uh, in new zealand so wow what an impressive background and thank you for making the time today so i have a few burning questions yes. and anyone who is watching and tuning in live feel free to ask any questions i'll i'll monitor uh, the linkedin but in the meantime tell me how did you end up twitch SEO? what was your path and were you um, are you a gamer at heart
1: yeah so yeah so Twitch, I joined Twitch in January 2018, I had taken some time off after Pandora, so I decided to step out and have one of the world's most overdue gap years. So I had written my master's thesis and gone straight to work three days later, and we've moved countries four times since then. And all of them were with my role, and so I haven't had gaps between those country moves. And so it was 2017 was a, a year of just reflection on what it was I wanted to do next. And the thing that I, you know, really recognised, gets me out of bed every day is I love operating at the intersection of digital media and tech. You know, that's all of my roles have had a very strong orientation in terms of how content is evolving, how technology is impacting the way people come together around content and uh, create content. And as I looked around at the landscape at the time you know, you, you recall 2017, you know, it was a pretty, pretty hot year in terms of consumer internet startups in San Francisco, right. really getting to scale and looking for scale leadership. Right. And there was, there was sort of, you know, transportation efforts, so the Ubers and the Lyfts, but then also a whole bunch of autonomous vehicle companies, there was a lot of consumer fintech companies yeah. that were, were doing really well, a lot of social service companies. And I wasn't sure i'd find anything in media that would be really interesting you know it didn't feel like there was much less to innovate on at that time and then the twitch team actually reached out to me Uh, so emmett Shear, the ceo was looking for a chief operating officer i got together with him i was familiar with twitch from my time at xbox so you know Mm -hmm. 2010 or 12 when i was at xbox we had looked at justin tv at the time as they'd started their live streaming service but i wasn't familiar with what they had done since they had been acquired by amazon Mm -hmm. and You know, the company's run as a standalone subsidiary, so we're independent. It's sort of the best of both worlds. We get to be nimble and fast and, you know, do the things we want to do and and operate the business globally, but we have this incredible partnership with Amazon where we have, you know, access to amazing leadership and talent and as necessary capital to continue growing the business. I was going to say,
0: and a a great coffer of capital.
1: Yes, (laughs) and a great coffer of capital to to grow the business over time where we were able to make, you know, cases for investment. And so I spent a lot of time with Emma and just loved, loved that Twitch was doing something to, that to me felt like one of the remaining areas of consumer media that hadn't been disrupted, which was the live television space. You right. know, Twitch is effectively live television for Gen Z and millennials. That's um, right. The behaviors, the daily consumption patterns, the lack of television that they actually consume. And so it felt like this, this medium of live television, which really hadn't been that disrupted by the internet, you know, like video on demand had been by Netflix and what have you, but the actual engagement of I'm watching this live is is still pretty 1950s. It just felt like this this was something where there was a real opportunity to change the way that people interacted with media, came together around communities of interest. And to your question about gaming, you know, I've long believed that where gamers go, others follow. (laughs) Jim yeah. <laughs> Pop does what gamers do ten years later, generally, and yeah. you know it's because gamers like technology. They're massive adopters of technology, and you know you see the things that they have done often just flow through to more generalized services. And so, in my mind, while Twitch's heritage is in gaming and a material amount of our content is in gaming, right. over seventy nine percent of the population in the United States over the age of 13 identify as gamers. This is not a niche activity anymore. Mm. And so in my mind, while we have heritage and uh, momentum in gaming, the potential for Twitch was so much greater. And that really excited me.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah, I I love that. And I can totally see it. Just out of curiosity, what is the the top kind of trending title right now on on Twitch that folks are, are watching?
1: Yeah, so that varies day to day depending on sure. what's happening. There's there's some big ones that have happened this year. So Valorant, you yeah. know, kicked off the year. You know, that was that was pretty broadly adopted. Among Us, which is just one of those like sleeper independent games that just suddenly took off and now everybody's yeah. playing it. Fall Guys was the top game for the better part of a month. You know, That's like right. People were just looking for things that were slightly lower pressure and more social to plan. I think both four Guys and Among Us really lean into that. You know, right. especially Tarkov was massive at the beginning of the year. The yeah. Call of Duty release this year has been big. And I've then-
0: been, I've been getting a lot of my skills, like secretly on the weekends, I've been playing Call of Duty locked in my uh-huh. office, in my, away from my fiance. And then she would be like, are you watching another person play video games? on the desktop <laughs> while you're playing. I'm like, yeah, I'm getting some tips and skills from the 16-year-old who's streaming right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just have to accept that whoever's teaching you is definitely half your age.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just one of the things I've, I've accepted at this point. But no, so it's been amazing. I mean, we've had a really strong portfolio of games come through, and then my last call-out would be the Epic team are continuing to nail it with Fortnite. Like, they just dropped their latest season. Oh, yeah. It's doing really well, and so, you know, I. I never underestimate the the games developers we work with. They constantly surprise me.
0: I love that. I love that. Tell me, as COO for Twitch, how do you think about corporate development, and how and how do you manage the corp dev function?
1: Yeah. So I should say at the outset for anyone who's watching this who's from an investment bank, I am not your your corp dev person. <laughs> so I had a very different sort of path into corporate development. So I did the early part of my career in New Zealand, um, and New Zealand is a market of, you know, geography of 4 million people. Uh, but it's the same size as the United Kingdom geographically. And so you've got 4 million people running all the national infrastructure, telecommunications, building all the services. And it's a, a geography where, as you start in your career there, there's a little bit of oh, you're smart, you'll work it out, you you give this a go. Right. Um, and so I ended up by virtue of being involved in a bunch of sort of big strategic projects, I started out as a policy advisor for the government, in the broadcasting advisory space and through sort of doing strategy work and policy work, and then doing a number of big partnerships with industry players while I was in government, I ended up in roles where I was negotiating a whole range of different commercial deals. And, you know, then somebody says, oh, we'd like to look at acquiring a company, go and do that. You know, so it wasn't really any training. It was more like, okay, well, okay, what do we do? And... Mm -hmm. So I start with corporate development from, I think, what you often see strategists and policy advisors start from, which is what are we trying to achieve? Right. You know, like I, it's always the question I ask when I'm in a company and somebody says, you know, we want to buy something. And I'm like, what's the problem you're trying to solve? Because corporate development is not something you do you know, for the sake of doing it, you right. do to solve a problem or address an opportunity or accelerate your path down the strategy that you are are currently deploying. And so, you know, that's very much how I come at it inside the business. And there's really four macro reasons why I would do court depth. So mm-hmm. there's a team that you want to acquire, or you want to accelerate a particular kind of talent into the company. Right. There's technology you want to acquire that is going to accelerate your roadmap. There's IP that you want to get access to or you have a business strategy and it will accelerate your um, execution against that business strategy. And so for us, you know, and one of the interesting things at Twitch is we don't do a lot of corporate development. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think it's a consequence of the fact that in many respects we are leading in the live streaming market. Right. There hasn't been a lot of companies where you're like, oh, they're doing something that Twitch in itself hasn't already been innovating on. Having said that, we have done some great acquisitions. So we we did IDGB last year, which is the, the company out of uh, Sweden that we brought on board. They've been working oh, and, you know, helping all of our metadata across the site be more effective. Mm-hmm. And we acquired the Bebo team, which was to help accelerate some of the efforts we had in esports, uh, both around our first party esports program rivals and then thinking about tools for other tournament mm-hmm. operators. And so they're much more sort of small, identified across it, a particular roadmap opportunity and you know we have a great team they do an amazing job building relationships across the ecosystem you know we have monthly meetings with the team with my executive team and Emmett Shear, and we go through like what are all the things we're seeing and what do we want to to look at and you know the teams the, the corporate development team will drive those discussions we're also really, we're really lucky when we do something we can tap into the amazon core dev team. so right. We sort of have the best of both worlds again, a bit like I was saying in respect to. But even
0: though you guys are independent, you can still collaborate with Amazon's parent, a corp dev team. Int- cool, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. yeah, no, our relationship with Amazon, yeah, you know, we're an independent subsidiary. Yep. um, We so we run everything ourselves, but we tap into Amazon for anything that we would like access to. It's it's and it is literally does feel like the best of both worlds.
0: Wow. And-
1: so for transactions, we will often leverage their acquisition integration team, for example. Because if we don't we don't need an acquisition integration team permanently. Yeah. Um, but having access to a fully formed one that does many transactions is incredibly helpful to us. So right. um, you know, we, we tend to operate in a partnership with them when we get to the transaction stage of deals.
0: Well, thank you for those insights. I, I'm familiar with the Amazon corp dev team. I didn't know about the co- collaboration aspects, but very insightful. Thank you. As a member of, of the board of several companies such as Duolingo, Hootsuite, et cetera, how does corp dev differ at a board level versus an operating executive role?
1: Mm-hmm. So. You could actually just rephrase that question was, how does anything differ as a board member versus an operating executive? Yeah. Corp dev just happens to be one of the things. You know, you, you wear a different hat. You know, you're responsible for making sure that the governance aspects of the company are working effectively, that they're deploying capital appropriately, that you're supporting the team and helping their executive team and the CEO be successful in their mission. But the reality is you're not, you know, rolling up the sleeves and diving in and actually executing And so you can provide guidance and advice and oversight, but that's very different to, I'm actually on the hook for making sure that this deal not only gets transacted effectively and um, appropriately, but that, you know, I've always maintained 90% of the value of any deal is the integration. It doesn't matter. It does not matter how good the, the negotiation you do is. If you don't have a really strong plan for how you're going to integrate that company into your business, And you are going to leak value from day one. And so for for me, that's where you really, you rely on the management teams of those companies to do that.
0: Well, thank you for that. Yeah. I always say integration is one of the most important aspects. Um, and I would genuinely say like over 50%, but 90%, you're probably right. It's, it is probably 90%. And, And during our Microsoft days, there were some big acquisitions that were in the billions of dollars that, you know, withered away slowly died after a few years and largely i think probably because of integration as you mentioned
1: i think there are two things that companies get go sideways in corporate development one is they don't have a clear strategy as to why they're buying something so Hmm. people in competitive bid situations where you know a bunch of investment bankers turn up and say so and so is on the market and all these other companies that you feel like you compete with it And the the company feels pressured into bidding. And you're like, well, what do we, to the question you asked at the beginning, what's the strategy we would be deploying this set against? Like, what is it we're trying to achieve with this? And I think, you know, so you you either see it go wrong because there wasn't a clear strategy about why you were acquiring the company. Right. Then the flip side is once you've acquired it, then how do you go about integrating it? And that is, you know, I describe acquisitions as marriages, you know, you, you have to actually think about like, what are the compromises we're going to make? How are we going to live together? <laughs> you, you don't like each other the day before you did the acquisition, you're certainly not going to like each other three months in. And so there is- <laughs>
0: I a, love that analogy.
1: It's, it's, there are a lot of marriage analogies that hold very true in acquisitions.
0: That's right. <laughs> As COO, uh, former COO of Pandora, what corp dev deal were you most proud of?
1: So at Pandora, I would say the audio deal. So, you know, we were, we had a very clear strategy. We wanted to move beyond just personalized radio to being a full service company. And we were very focused around how did we connect artists and fans at scale. And right. one of the things that we realized we would need to do in order to run a service, which, you know, it's primarily mobile based. That's where the vast majority of consumption occurred was the design of the service was really critical in ensuring that we continued to give people who were really loyal Pandora users um, an experience that didn't feel jarring. Like, oh, suddenly there's all this other stuff that you've layered in over the top. And, you know, much as I I love Spotify, I would say the app feels a little bit like something that's had a lot of stuff attached to it over time. And so it's quite hard to navigate. And the audio team was both about buying the... Um, back-end infrastructure for on-demand music streaming and but a lot of it was the team and the design ethos you know the audio music app was the most delightful music app to use from an on demand perspective and so for us it was very much about how did we ensure that we carry that deline, design philosophy into pandora and ensured that the rebuild of our service to integrate both radio and on-demand music was going to show up in a way which felt really intuitive and delightful to our listeners and to this day, you know, I continue to use Pandora when I'm in the United States, which sadly is the only country it works in anymore. And it, they really did a brilliant job. You know, it is a, yeah. a really intuitive and
0: Pandora and, and Spotify. Yeah, I do. How long I did, did that deal kind of take end to end? What was, what was that? The there time was a, that was
1: a lot. There was a long deal. Long deal. Uh, we, we had a strategy to move into on-demand and then there was a question of what are the necessary assets in order to be in a position to do that and what was the the things we were going to have to build we had looked at it was a classic situation like we have a very clear strategy we know what we want to achieve are there things we could buy that would accelerate this and we were very clear about what we wanted to acquire and why and the length was as much I think, you know, it's been well reported. RDO went into bankruptcy as part of that deal construct. I remember we, that. Yeah, yeah. We bought the technology assets out. It's quite a hard deal construct to execute on as a publicly listed company because of the disclosure requirements. And it created some risk in terms of close. But mm. we felt very strongly that that was the only clean transaction structure that made sense for Pandora. And so we, we decided to go down that path. But there was a certain amount of length to the negotiation
0: to achieve that. Got it. Got it. Thank you for for sharing insight into that. But yeah, I'm I'm familiar. That was a big transaction. Final question. We're at the tail end of the show. As a member of Global Women, what token career advice can you give to our aspirational female leaders who want to join the C-suite of a larger company as you have?
1: So it's funny you get asked these questions and I, I always sort of pause because it feels it, it underrepresents underrepresents the challenge of being a female executive in technology to say there's one thing you can do you know
0: right. there are a thousand
1: things there are a thousand things you will need to do in order to be successful and the the sort of so that's my caveat on this answer but the thing i would say is there's two things believe you can do it and then ask for it you know i, I never really saw myself as a senior executive i was very much in that sort of mindset of like, I'm a great advisor. I'm someone who's sort of behind the scenes and I can get this work done. And right. it wasn't until, you know, a, a manager of mine said, like, you should be an executive team, you should be a CEO one day, you have that in you, why aren't you going after it? And it wasn't until that I was like, oh, that's a mind shift. And then he's like, you have to ask for it. And you have to be very totally. clear, so what do you want to do in your career? I want to be on the C-suite of a consumer engineer company. And it's funny, like it took me a long time to do it. It feels very unnatural. I don't know if this is just me or if this is woman generally to be like, no, I can do that and I want to do it and you should give me a chance. I think woman err more towards the, let me prove to you I can do it. Much longer, you know, it's a much longer road because it's, it's not based on potential, which is I have the talent. It's based on evidence. It's like, let me show you that I can do this. Yes. And, you know, the thing that I did, it's carried forward for me now. And then I often get approached about operating roles and I'll go back and say, you know, I'm very happy at Twitch things, but I'd love to look at any board roles Mm. and I would never have done that without that kind of advice of like, learn how to ask for the things that you want.
0: I love that. And that's true for anyone and any background that's, that's stellar advice and rings, rings, totally true. I see that. And I've always thought of you as an exec- executive, anyway. Since the first time we we started working together, you know, years way back when, so I knew it was only a matter of time. Final few questions, more fun things. How have you been staying fit? Because I know you like to be energetic and hike, etc. You know, everyone has a different routine. I'm always asking the question.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, we we developed a COVID routine actually. So you know, historically, I travel enormously for work. I've probably traveled 20 weeks a year for my the last 20 years of my career, and. Yeah. And, you know, often we'd go out running or whatever in cities that I was in. And with COVID, we sort of, I found that I was just working out. We have a little home gym and I was working out there. But then I'd be doing this 10 hours a day. And you start going a little bit insane because you are just yeah. in the house the whole time. And so my husband about six This
0: weeks, is my prison as well.
1: I know, <laughs> I know. I'm like, I see this room a lot. My husband about six weeks in was like, I think we need to get you out of the house. And so we get up and this is slightly, he, this is his not favorite part of it. The alarm goes at 5:45. We're on the road by like six and we do a walk here in San Francisco. It's six miles over twin peaks and back to our place. And it's got a pretty good sort of altitude on it. And we did it on mm. Wednesday mornings. It's real there's no one around. We wear masks, but there's still no one around. And so yeah. you, you feel like you have this moment at the beginning of the day where you get the city to yourself, you get some fresh air. It is, it has absolutely maintained my sanity.
0: Amazing. Yeah, I've been doing some hikes. I haven't been as energetic as I used to be, but I sometimes cycle. I went I actually cycled from from Paris to Monaco last year, a thousand kilometers in six days. And I wow. thought I would be aggressive this year, but for some reason COVID, I still haven't I still haven't hit that point where I'm like, oh man, I need to be kind of back on the full exercise train. But yeah, yeah it, it is an interesting time. I think outdoors is where it's really people have really picked up and apps like all trails for example are just are just killing it and final question are you a chef do you cook at home do you like to use DoorDash? like what's your eating routine during these uh crazy anomaly
1: times yes i have to say this this was one of the like shocking moments when you realize how uh privileged you are that i get three meals a day when i'm at twitch and we have this insanely good kitchen and suddenly my husband retired in january this year and so he basically two months later as we went into lockdown ended up this full-time job now is looking after me, we did a lot of cooking in the first sort of six months and then we got really bored of it. And so at the moment <laughs> we're on thistle, which I'm loving, you know, so they, thistle delivers us, you know, meals for Monday through Thursday. And actually it's been really nice having a change. So
0: thistle is your primary
1: at the moment
0: program. Oh, interesting. I haven't used this will have to check it out.
1: They're really good. I've been really impressed. I have to say I, I am a. Cook, like I love cooking. I, you know, that's sort of, if you said what things are you confident at, I would say cooking, I'm pretty confident at. And yes. We have a pretty high bar. Like we don't eat a lot of delivery food because I always find it slightly disappointing. But I have to say, yeah. they've done a really nice job.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Love to hear that. Well, thank you so much. I know, I'm sure you have a crazy packed day. Thank you so much for making uh, the time here today. Again, Sarah Clemens, COO of Twitch formerly, also the CEO of Pandora. You have an amazing background. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. And I loved catching up. Glad to hear you're doing well and hope to see you soon.
1: Wonderful. Thanks so much, Andreas. Stay safe and have a great holiday. Thank you. You too. Cheers.